Well, hello again. Praise God. We have another Sunday to spend together. And I hope that it will be an enjoyable event that we can uh, sit and learn and sharpen our wit and broaden our minds and deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just good to be with you once again. And I hope that you're enjoying the messages. Um, much prayer time and and just uh, asking God to speak to you through this vessel and I pray that somehow you will hear something that comes from the Lord and touches your heart and challenges you we're going to talk about this morning what do you believe um Believing today is like a smorgasbord. There are so many options out here. But when you get into the Word of God, it really narrows it down. And we have to really choose. What are we going to believe? And one of the things about believing is trusting. Whatever you say that you believe in, you have to trust it. And the trusting becomes the testing point, in a sense, of what you believe. Can what you believe in, can you trust it to bring it to pass? Can you see the works of it? Are you able to watch the hand move, putting things together, and somehow keeping you calm, and very hopeful that this too shall come to pass. Believing, a lot of people say they believe. But you ask them to tell you what they really believe in, it's hard for them to express it. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as God. I believe, yes, that he's coming back. As foolish as that may sound to some, he is. What's the evidence of his coming back? That he came the first time, as prophesied. Born of a woman, born of a virgin, born under the law. And as Galatians 4 says, in the fullness of time, he came. And in the fullness of time, he shall come again. So I believe in him. So right off, I'll let you know, I really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want you to ask yourself, what do you believe in? And what you're believing, is it capable of saving you? Is it capable of giving you eternal life? Is it capable of ordering your steps in this present life? What you believe in, is it drastically changing your life and your perspective about life? What you are believing in, is it able to rescue you, deliver you, help you in this present life? What you believe in is so important. Today, we have a lot of people believing a lot of lies, whether it be in religion or whether it be in politics. People believe, but they have no facts really to base it on. And I want to challenge you in what you believe and hopefully if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that you would accept him as your personal savior and you would begin to see him work in your life I also want to challenge those who say they believe in Jesus Christ but are not trusting in him therefore they are not living for him because they have reduced him just to a religious figure, but not having a personal relationship with him. So let's pray and we're going to get started. Father, 
We want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you've given us a measure of faith that, Lord, we can truly start to believe in Jesus Christ. And we can see that faith grow. And our relationship with him can grow. And we can become very, very, very dependent upon him taking care of us in this present world. And I thank you, Lord, for the joy and the peace. I thank you for what you give us in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, would you speak and would you encourage, would you build up, and would you, oh God, in your magnificent way, touch somebody's heart and mind today? And Lord will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, end of the month, the 31st. Uh, next time I see you, we'll be in February. And um, we want to just keep on believing week after week, day after day, month after month, year after year. For we serve a God that does not change. But we want to believe in him. And we need to ask that question. What do we really believe? What do we really believe? Because, see, we have in Acts chapter 26, uh, you have Paul before King Agrippa. And King Agrippa says to Paul, Paul, do you so easily think you were going to cause me to become a Christian? by the few things that you've said. And oftentimes, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. And how is that heard? Through the voice of other individuals speaking to you. And there are times in which also God will speak directly to a person, as he did with Paul. And as Jesus Christ spoke to his disciples, uh, there are things that have been reported on the mission field and even here in the United States where people have heard what they call the voice of God speaking directly to them. So we don't put God in a box and try to hold him with what he can't do. We look at the life and the evidence that follow when a person says they've committed themselves to Jesus Christ. And King Agrippa, he's hearing. But yet at the same time, he responds to Paul, but he's not believing what Paul says. Now, let me share this little thought with you. If you can easily be talked into something, you can be easily talked out of it. But what you believe, you're able to back it with facts from the Word of God and your own personal life of what God has done. Now, in that verse 27, King Agrippa says to Paul, get these eyes straightened out. King Agrippa, do you believe? And Paul asked that question. Do you believe? Same question I'm asking you. Do you believe? What do you believe? And Paul says to King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And he kind of like answers for him. He says, I know you do. But listen to what King Agrippa says. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? In this short time in which you have shared your testimony and you have talked about this, Jesus. Do you think you can persuade me to be a Christian? 
Now, understand, as you hear people witness to you, yes, you get bored by it, you 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 get tired of it, you get uh, tired of folks and their religion, and you're you're tired of people talking to you about Jesus or about this one or about that one. Uh, can I indulge you and say, uh, give an ear? Nothing wrong with learning. Nothing long, wrong with listening and hearing. But be a Berean in Acts 17 when you go check it out to see if it's true or not. Truth has a way of always coming up to the surface. It, truth always tops a lie or error. Truth will always find its way into your heart if you allow it. And what you want to know is truth. And Paul is going to share a little bit about himself. And he's going to challenge. He says in verse 12 of chapter 26 of Acts, he says, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus. He's on his way to Damascus, he tells us, with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. What is he doing? He's seeking out Christians to destroy them. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice. Paul heard what? He heard a voice. The Holy Spirit is able to speak to you. He's able to convict you of your sin if you'll listen and you'll hear. And he is the one who will bring you to a true confession in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just man. Yes, we tell you what has happened to us as we witness to you. And we're sharing with you what we believe in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul says here, it was not a person of flesh and blood per se. It was a voice of one who had died and had risen from the grave and now is with the Father at the right hand. And he says, We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he calls him Saul, because that was his original name, Saul. His name was changed to Paul. But he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the Lord. The Goat. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Good question for you to ask. If you believe, you need to ask, Who are you, Lord? Whatever you're believing in, who are you? What are you? What authority do you have? What's your ability? And you need to look at those things. You want to believe, but yet you don't know really what you're believing in. And you should come to a place that you're able to challenge and test what you believe so that you know that you truly believe in that which you are saying you believe in and it's the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ he says then I ask who are you Lord what does he want he wants a further explanation he wants more information he wants to know more I hope that you want to know more you want to know more. You can be in this Bible all your life and you'll still be learning. 
You cannot exhaust this book when it comes to the knowledge of our God for the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot exhaust it. It goes on and on and on. And he says, then I ask, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. Imagine that. Ooh, that alone would have knocked Paul off his horse. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness. A servant and a witness. Every Christian is a servant and a witness. One, the servant is going to demonstrate the kindness, the gentleness. The servant is going to allow you to see faith in action, believing in the one in whom they say they believe in, and it's because they believe in him, the certain action or conduct, behavior, the manner of life will be demonstrated because they truly believe. If somebody says, boy, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you constantly see them doing wrong, stealing, drunken, drugs, adultery, fornication, if you constantly see them living in a state of behavior that is against the word of God, they're not saved and they truly don't believe. Oh, quote unquote, there's a religion there. They have the right saying. They've been around church long enough that they know what to say and when to say it. But their life does not state that they truly believe and trust in God. In God. Let me share something to you, young men, young ladies. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you pray for your mate. You pray that God will send you someone who will love you for who you are. You pray that God will send you someone who would really respect you and care for you. Not someone who just wants to jump in the bed with you. Not just someone who wants to get you pregnant and then leave you. Uh, not someone who is just there to show off and put a notch on their gun in a sense that they have been able to sleep with you and you're just uh, one of the few that they have somewhat slept with. Or even for women, there's no prize in how many men you slept with. It just lowers your own self-esteem. It just destroys you as a woman. Have enough respect for yourself that you will say no. Because you're looking for someone not just to spend a moment with, but for the rest of your life with. Someone who will really love you, appreciate you, and care for you. Not just someone who jumps in the bed with you go down the street and jump in the bed with somebody else. You're not looking for that guy. But you're looking for that person who will really love and cherish you. Have that respect for yourself. And got off the subject just a little bit, but those are one of the things that are on my heart. And Paul says it's a witness. You cannot be a witness and a servant of God, living in sin. The man or the woman. You can say you believe in God. You might believe, but you're not trusting and you're not living. And you're not truly believing. You're just using the word. Because if you believe, the belief would be enough that you would reverence God's soul that you would reverence the Lord Jesus Christ and you would not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Just believing in Jesus will keep you from sin. Just believing in Jesus will change your conduct, your behavior, if you truly believe. 
That's what happened to Paul. And that's what he's sharing with Agrippa. That I truly believe. And because I truly believe, my life has changed from Saul to Paul. Now, true, your name is not most likely going to change. But people will see a different person. They will see a different person because you believe. And if your belief is not changing you, is not changing your attitude, is not changing the way you perceive things or see things, if if, if your belief is not causing you to change your conduct and your behavior and your friends and how you speak and how you care about people, check your belief then. Check what you're truly believing in. For Paul said, I become a servant and I become a witness. If you are truly believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to become a servant of his and a witness of his because you're going to want to share the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go over to John chapter 8 with me. Here we're going to see something that happens quite commonly, and it still happens today, because when people start hearing this about Jesus, first thing they want to do is challenge. Um, and they challenge not so much the person who is witnessing to them or sharing with them or talking about Jesus, as much as they challenge directly the thought that Jesus might be God. And we're going to talk about why is that in, in a moment. Why is the challenge and why are people so hostile towards the name of Jesus? And many people want to just do away with that name. And we're living in a time where that has come around again. And, and if you look at history, there's been periods throughout history where the gospel has tried to be destroyed. Bibles have tried to be destroyed. The name of Jesus has tried to be silenced. And even in the first century with the disciples, uh, they were told by the council not to speak in the name of Jesus. Uh, the whole process is that we live in a day that People don't want to hear Jesus. But if there's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men might be saved, what other alternative does the Christian have but to speak that name in which people can be saved? It happened to me. And if it's happened to me, it can happen to you. That God can save you. You're not such a bad person that God can't save you. You're not in such a miserable shape that God can't redeem you. He can do that through Jesus Christ. And that's the important thing about that name. Because there is no other name under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. And you might use the name of Allah, you might use the name of Buddha, you might call up one of the names of the gods in India, you may call up a number of different names. It would be great if it was in the scripture or really written somewhere. Believe upon one of these names and you shall be saved. He doesn't say believe on one of these names. He boils it down just to one name. The name of Jesus. And he says, if you believe on the name of Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Period. You shall be saved. But believing, when you truly believe, you're going to trust. You're going to trust. And God's going to work in your life that you can't identify that he is the one that's working. He's the one that's doing something in your life. He's a real person. He's alive. And God 
will teach you if you allow him. And we always want to challenge the truths about God. And it speaks of Jesus in John chapter 8. He says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this one person is able to be the light of the world? He He's able to be the light of every man. And what he's talking about is simply bringing every individual who believes in him out of darkness, because in darkness you stumble. In darkness you can fall. Very easy. I'm not saying you can't fall in the light. Oh, yes. But uh, you fall because you're not paying attention or you're not doing. And he says he's the light of every man that you can move around freely without the worry of bumping into this or bumping into that because you see it clearly. And he says he is the light of the world. That's some testimony. And he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in what? Darkness. That as you follow him, you won't walk in darkness. You won't walk blindedly. You won't walk without being able to see. You'll be able to see things very clearly. And you'll be able to choose your path. You're not worried about going down the wrong path or going down this because you can't see it. You ever been on a dark street, uh, been out driving on, on, on a very dark night and you're looking for a street and you can't hardly read the signs up there and, and, and you may turn down the wrong street thinking you're on the right street. And that's life. We turn down so many wrong streets because we're in darkness, sometimes looking for something but the reality is I can't see the street I can't see the name of that street but yet I make that turn going down hoping this is the right street Jesus will always put you on the right street he'll put you on the right path you'll always reach your goal or I'm not saying it won't take some time but if that's God's plan for you, you won't miss it. God will order your steps. He will direct you. He will guide you to where he wants you to be in life. He'll do that. And he says, you will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When you're in the light, you move very freely. When you're in darkness, you're reaching out. You're walking a little slowly. You're, you're not confident you're not 100 percent sure but when you walk in the light you just walk you just walk with a freedom and with a confidence and that's what he's talking about and, but look at the challenge that comes up in verse 13 because here's what man does man wants to always challenge what is being said about jesus or what jesus says about himself and the pharisees they're going to challenge him they're going to challenge him because he said he's the light of the world. Remember, he's there teaching other people and he's speaking to them. And the Pharisees, they're there also. They're hearing it too. And they're saying, nope, nope, this can't be true. This cannot be true. This man is being a witness unto himself. He's telling you how great he is. And in reality, he's nothing. The Pharisees challenged him in verse 13. Here you are appearing as your own witness. This is not somebody else bragging about you. This is you bragging on yourself. See, if I tell you today, I'm a better ball player than James. I'm a better ball player than Jordan. See, I can say some great things about myself. That I'm better than this person or that person. But you've seen James play. And you know he's a good ball player if you watch basketball. You know Jordan's a good player if you watch 
basketball again. You knew that he was an excellent Kobe Bryant, excellent basketball player. You know some of the football stars. You know that they are great in that position of quarterback, and they can throw that ball. I can hardly throw a football across the street anymore. But the thing is, I can brag about myself of what I can do, and, and yes, I can be my own witness in a sense. The question is this, is it truth? Is it truth? Scripture tells us not to think more highly than we ought, <laughs> but to live within my reality of what I can do. I know, boy, I can't throw no baseball no 90 miles an hour. <laughs> I know I can't throw a football maybe a good 10, 20 yards, if that there are just things I can't do anymore. I can't even see the rim of the basket, basketball where I'm shooting it. I, I can't see the rim anymore on the basket. Uh, there's just things that you come to a place and you realize I can't do. Jesus is speaking about what he can do. And he's telling the truth when he says, I'm the light of the world. And if anyone follows me, he shall walk in the light and not in the darkness. Do you believe that? And the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. What you're saying is not true. You can't really prove it. You're the only one saying it. And Jesus answered in verse 14, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. Why? God is not a liar. Who is Jesus Christ? God. You may not want to believe that, but he is. And God doesn't lie. He has no need to lie. And Jesus is speaking the truth. And that's why he could come back and say, I'm telling you the truth, and my own testimony is valid. And he says, this is why it's valid. I know where I came from and where I'm going. He knew he came from heaven down to earth to die for sinful man and going back up to heaven. He knows that for himself. And he's going to do that. And you and I now. We don't know from where we come. Oh yeah. You can say. Boy I come from my mother's womb. But if you go over to Psalms 139. And you will find out. That you've been. Weaved together. By the hands of God. While you were in your mother's womb. You were knitted together by him. And he says, I know where I come from and where I'm going. I'm going back to my father. I'm going back to heaven. And he said, but you have no idea where I come from. That's man. They had no idea where he came from. They had no idea who he truly was. And he said, but you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. You judge what? By human standards. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 5 with me for a moment. Because I, I want you to see this. Uh, and um, go to verse 16. Because Paul here is going to do exactly in a sense what John is speaking about judging Jesus on human standards but then he changes and this is part of his confession this is how I once thought about Jesus but no longer I judged him on human standards and you may be judging Jesus on human standards oh he's just a man uh, yes he may have lived 
but he, he was not God. A lot of people have a problem believing that God would come down and clothe himself in human form. Uh, we have a problem of believing the virgin birth. We have a problem of Jesus walking on water. We have a problem with Jesus feeding 5,000, 4,000. We have a problem with Jesus healing a crippled man or a blind man. We have a problem with how Scripture sometimes describes the character and the work of Jesus. Paul had those problems too because Paul most likely had heard about this Jesus healing. He had heard about the resurrection of this Jesus but didn't believe it. Paul was fighting the same battle that many of us. What do I truly believe? Yes, he did believe in his Old Testament he did believe like the Pharisees, but it so challenged him that it would question his own belief. When you believe something and you believe it and you know it, you can hear many other things, but it don't move you. It doesn't move you. It doesn't frighten you. Let me challenge you something. I, I, I read this of a young man who is teaching now over at the college, uh, at Spurgeon's College in London. He's a graduate of CVCA, Cahaga Christian uh, Academy in Cahaga Falls here. And he makes this statement. He says unto Christians, he said, Read and understand your theology, understand your Bible, but read outside of it also. Only thing he's saying is this, broaden yourself. If you have truth, understand the lies that are going to attack that truth. And if that is truth, what you truly believe in, you won't be moved, you won't be budged, and you won't be fearful. You can look at other things because you know people are going to be addressing those other things. They're going to be talking about those other things. But you have truth. What made Paul such a great apostle was the knowledge that he had of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the personal experience he had with Jesus Christ. And Paul believed that Jesus Christ was God. And nothing was going to move Paul from that. And we have to understand that. We really do. That nothing moves us from what we truly believe. Hold to it. So he said, So from now on, we regarded no one from a worldly point of view. We didn't judge man. Or do we judge Jesus just from a worldly point of view, just from the position of a man? He said, we once did. We looked upon Jesus as just being a man, not God, not the Savior, not the Messiah. And Paul said, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Something takes place. If you really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know that you believe in him, look at your life and ask yourself this question. Is it changing? Is it different? You're the one that has to really Acknowledge that your life is different because of Christ. If you're living the same way you were living before you start confessing the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, I was baptized. Yes, this and that. And yet you're living like the world and like you were living before you ever accepted Christ. 
then you're not really believing in Christ. Oh, you're believing something, but you're not trusting it. And it's not changing your life. And it's not working in your life. And he goes on and he simply says that we once did that. And here are the Pharisees. They challenge him. You can't be a witness for yourself. Yes, you can. You witness the work of God in you. You witness the changes that God makes in your life. You witness how God brings new friends into your life. You witness how God changes your direction of going here now that you're going over here. You witness those things that really take place in your life that, boy, this is not something I really did. This is something I was led to do. This is something that I've been taught to do, and it takes place. And you're not challenging it, per se. You're not challenging it. You're believing it, and you're doing it. James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of it. Because it's the doing part. That says you believe what you heard. If you're hearing and not doing, you don't believe what you hear. If I told you and I yelled to you, your house is on fire. If you didn't believe me, you wouldn't run out of it. But if you didn't know there was a fire on your second floor or third floor or on the backside of your house, you didn't know it. But somebody's yelling to you. Your house is on fire. You got to make a decision to exit that house and take a look back. Man, they were telling me the truth. They saved my life. That's what Jesus does. We look back at our lives and know from what he's bought us from. My house was once on fire. And I had to run away from my old life. And when I look back, I'm able to say, oh, thank you, Lord, for saving me. A friend and I, we were out for lunch, and uh, he was just sharing over and over again. And he was telling me how he just thanked God for blessing his life. And that as he looked back on his life now, after all these years, he's in his 70s, and he says, God has blessed me. God has kept me. And then he told me about a foolish thing that happened to him, how he quit a job and how God sent uh, his supervisor to call him and, and, and was able to help him save his job. because He found out he made a mistake. And I told him, you was a very foolish young man. He had six years at the job, but he was a very foolish young man in leaving that job. But here, we see the hand of God. And his life is truly blessed. And he has a wonderful life. Wonderful wife. Wonderful children. Two boys. Wonderful grandchildren. His life is blessed. But sometimes you got to leave the old. And look back. And see what Christ has really saved you from. And you're you are a witness of what Christ does in your life. And then you give testimony to that. You give testimony to it. Don't let nobody discourage you. Don't allow the Pharisees to run into your life and say, you can't be a witness. Yes, you can. You can be a servant and a witness if you truly believe in the Lord. Let me give you just a couple of verses real quick of why you should be able to do that. I want you to go with me to Acts 4.12. And uh, <clears throat> you need to understand that in this, there is no other name. You know, and, and I know people don't want to accept that because there's so many different gods out here. You know, so many different ways to heaven. No, it isn't. It's only just one way. And he says in 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. Catch that. 
What? And no one else. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There is no other name that men can be saved by. There's absolutely no other name. Now go back to John with me. John chapter 1. And again, verse 12. Look what he says. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, those who believed in his name, those who trusted him, those who accept him, those who receive him, those who say that little prayer sometimes, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, take control of my life, live in me and through me and teach me how to live for you. Those who say that little prayer and ask for repentance and ask for forgiveness, uh, boy, he comes in and he floods your life with himself. He says he gave the right to become children of God. Now we are all, hear me on this, we are all creatures of God. We've all been created by God. We've all been given life by God. We are not all the children of God. We become children of God through the adoption in Romans 8. And we don't have time to go there. But we become children through the adoption of God. And we become his children when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He says he gives us the right to become the children of God. And we need to understand that. One more, and we're going to wind up in Hebrews, the source. We always say something has to have a source. And it does. We always got to have a source. Where does something come from? Where does this start? And, 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 and salvation, it starts in Jesus Christ. The change of life starts in Jesus Christ. You're just not going to wake up and say, I'm going to change my life. Some people do that uh, through a habit and so forth. But it doesn't happen that way. You can't change your life really. Oh, you change some of your habits and this and that, but you're basically the same person. But when you become saved, you are transformed. That old person begins to die. And behold, a brand new person begins to develop and comes forth. So in Second Corinthians 5, it says, And once made perfect or mature, that growing part, he became the source who he did. Once Jesus was made perfect, absent from the body, present with the Lord, back in his position in heaven, He says, he became the source of eternal salvation. Look what he became. He came down here to pay that sin debt. He came to earth to be my Savior, your Savior. He came to earth to offer us eternal life. Still our choice. Your choice. For as many as received him, you have to choose to receive him. You have to know that there's only one name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Catch that. All who obey him. Do you believe his word? Do you believe him? If you do, you will obey him. When you're living in sin, constant sin, you're not going to the church. You're not seeking truth. And there's plenty of churches out here today, but all churches don't teach the truth. 
If you go to a church and this Bible is not opened, run. Because you want to know truth. You want to learn of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to find a church that's going to teach the word of God and challenge your mind. You want to grow in your faith. You want to deepen that belief that you have in Jesus. You want to be on a solid foundation with Jesus. That you can be a servant and a witness. And the only way you're going to be that servant and witness is if you truly, truly believe in your heart and your mind is made up that he is God. He's the one who saved you and he's the one who will keep you. All right. God bless you. May God keep you. I pray that something was said that challenges your heart and your mind. But look at what you truly believe and ask yourself, are you trusting in what you believe? And if you're not really trusting, I want to invite you to try Jesus. And if you're not really trusting Jesus, I want to challenge you. Get into his word. Just don't think something's going to fall out of the sky and somehow something's going to change. No. As you study God's word and you live God's word, you'll see him work in your life. Father, thank you for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Would you order our steps today? Would you, O oh God, speak to our hearts that we know that, O oh God, you're the one at work? Because, Lord, we can so easily be led by men and the words of men. But Lord, let us know your voice. Let us hear from you. Let your word sink deeply into our hearts and our minds. And help us, O oh God, to believe beyond our human capability of believing in you. And Lord, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Bye. See you next week.